now that we're friends Here is an album you would like Here is a book you would like I think you'd like my cat and also my dog Because we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends, we're friends. <laughs> Greetings! Welcome to the Now That We're Friends holiday episode. Yay! Happy Honda Days! <laughs> it's my favorite nice. holiday. <laughs> um, you are truly weird. <laughs> I can't even say it's anything I made up, really, even. No, but that's okay. It's yeah. true. Um, so, we put together some common holiday issues to give you some recommendations on, uh, just in case maybe you are heading into the holiday season with some of these concerns yourself. So we're going to do a little lightning round, uh, speed dating type thing, where we breeze our way through a few different common holiday issues. But no dating actually required. No Thank dating allowed, God. even. No, please, no dating. <laughs> <laughs> um. Full disclosure, we have tried to record this once before, <laughs> and it was gold. <laughs> it was. It was pretty golden. And um, this will be just as gold, don't worry. No. Um, in the previous version, Anne sounded like a monster. Yeah. Um, I did. Very much like the slowed down version of the Mary-Kate Nashley song, Give Me Pizza. Give <laughs> <laughs> pizza. Yeah. P-I-Z-Z-A. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> so, cool. That's excellent. Which, um, you know, the three of us have been saying put it on a pizza for years after watching that video, and I had been saying that with my husband, Phil, put it on a pizza. And then I was telling him how her voice came out messed up, and I was like, oh, yeah, she sounded like the slow, slow down version of put it on a pizza. And he goes, that's from something? <laughs> it's like, you dweeb. <laughs> I love that he just went along with it for years, though. Yeah. I was like, we say that all the time. And he goes, I just say that because you say that. <laughs> I say that because Jenny like, said that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We all say that because Jenny said that. Yeah. So I did show him the video, and he watched in awe. And then I said, now you understand me a little bit better. And he goes, in fact, I understand you a lot less. <laughs> that's good. Oh, boy. But to be fair, you never actually even got to my second recommendation, so... <laughs> What second ever? It took me so long to wind up when the last time we did it that I never actually got to my official second recommendation. No, that's true. So yeah. I, we're actually pretty good. We're we're on track to be bigger and better than ever. Yeah, that's true. I realized I wa- I like wa- wound up for quite some time. The old Gale wind up. Oh, yeah. wind up. It happens. The wind up Gale right. Chronicle. <laughs> all right should we dive in yes all right so first question which i think many people can relate to how to deal with tense family situations during the holiday holidays Mm -hmm. who has a recommendation i think we all do but I'm happy to jump right in. <laughs> I didn't right. prep at all for this podcast, so. <laughs> Even though we did it once before, she still yep. hasn't prepped. I actually, yeah, I gave up. I would like to recommend the podcast Heavyweight by Jonathan Goldstein. Um, I love this podcast. I think it's great. The premise of the podcast is that people 
contact Jonathan with a they they look back at like a point in their life that seems pivotal that they kind of still have unanswered questions about that they want to go back and like relitigate that time in their life or readdress something. So he's often like, you know, kind of helping people find things from their past or people from their past and answer unanswered questions or figure things out. And so they're not all family oriented, but there are quite a few that do center on family. And um, I recommend the podcast as a whole, but there are three episodes in particular that are popping out to me. The first is actually the very first episode of the podcast. It's called Buzz. And it's about um, Jonathan's own father, who has been estranged from his brother for years. They're in like their 80s, and they've been estranged for decades. And Jonathan facilitates them meeting and kind of talking things out. And you get to see how different their perspectives of the same events are and kind of working out um, those issues from their past a little bit. Um, and then there's a, a more recent episode called Scott that I don't want to say too much about, but it, it has like a, a guy and his father and sister kind of go on a journey and understand each other a little better. And then there's a really hilarious one from last season called Rob that is actually about the uh, actor and comedian Rob Corddry. And his is on the lighter side, but it's still kind of like getting going back to some event with your family and realizing how different you all see things and how your own memories are called into question and things like that. And I recommend this because I think a lot of times what's hard, especially if you're traveling home for the holidays, is, you know, of course there are like political discussions and stuff like that, but a lot of the big um, tensions that I find that arise arise during the holidays um, are that, you tend to fall back into those family dynamics. So you're not 15, but everyone's treating you like you're 15, so you start acting like you're 15 or who you were when you were 15. And that can just be so difficult to kind of navigate being like, no, I'm an adult with my real life, with like, this is who I am now, but somehow I'm finding myself in these same old patterns. And I think that the show kind of looks at that in interesting ways in these family-oriented episodes. And there's certainly more that have to do with family as well. Those are just the three that popped up to me right away. That's, awesome. That's great. I love that podcast so much. Me too. It has an excellent theme song as well. It does. Um, well, I have a recommendation also that great. is in a different vein. Um, a darker vein, I suppose. Um, but still relevant to this idea of tension around the holidays. It's a little surreal and fantastical and macabre, but the holidays with your family can be that way. So (laughs) it is a short story by Amelia Gray from her short story collection, Gutshot, which came out in 2015. And it's called Christmas House. And it's just like a page and a half long, so I'm going to read it. So everybody prepare. Oh, wait, I'm prepping. I'm prepping now. Okay. <laughs> Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. Go. Fine. Okay. Okay. Christmas House. Christmas House is an interactive, inclusive holiday residence. It is home to a manger scene, a gift exchange, a holly hanging sing-along, and standards of the Yuletide such as hot buttered rum and various nogs. 
Visitors to Christmas House are charmed to see such traditions carried out in the spirit Jesus himself might have intended had he been a businessman. Christmas House is a truly participatory experience. If a guest wishes to behave as if he or she is the first in the world to discover the act of becoming profoundly drunk on warm nog, that is his or her right. If a cast member wishes to tear down the mistletoe and declare that no man will ever understand true sorrow, he or she should act on that motivation. Christmas House is home to 53 poinsettias. One cast member's sole duty is to distribute these poinsettias in an efficient manner while maintaining the spirit of Christmas. The cast member must bring together everyone he or she knows, apologize for being a burden, and award guests one poinsettia each. After their departure, the cast member must remove the leaves of the single remaining poinsettia, place them in a blender with warm water, and create a vitamin-rich paste for his or her face and neck. Christmas House never sleeps. The first shift runs from dawn until dusk, the second from dusk until dawn. Cast members must remain within Christmas House during business hours. Cots and beds can be found upstairs. Infants employed by Christmas House may sleep during their manger shifts. Christmas House sits at the far end of a firing range. At times, a bullet may shatter a window and nestle into an opposing wall. Cast members decorating windows must manipulate the sashes with boughs and hanging garlands while keeping their bodies tucked aside. The manger is bulletproof and hidden from the public. Christmas House is not responsible for injury. If a guest is caught by a stray round, he or she must be carried to a location off-site and allowed to seek medical attention independent of the operations of Christmas House. Cast members are permitted to treat wounds in the spirit of Christmas, for example, by compressing a blood-soaked trouser with holly leaves while singing Silent Night. In accordance with the true spirit of Christmas, guests and cast members of Christmas House must balance illusion and truth. The tinsel is penance and the figgy pudding is suffering. The Yule Log offers no reprieve. Carols are sung, but nothing that rhymes is true. The hidden manger is in operation at all times. Individuals doubting the mystery of the season will be escorted from the premises. I really love that. I just think it's first just a really incredibly written and weird story, but I think there are just some also obvious um, parallels to how surreal um, Christmas, especially with your family can sometimes be and the weird traditions that we have and the weird dynamics that play out and sometimes it can feel like a reality show that you want no part of (laughs) it's not it's like i didn't come here to make friends it's like i didn't even come here I don't even want to be here here to make family. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't even want to be here in the first place. (laughs) I just want to say, disclaimer, that I love my family a lot, and this has nothing to do with my family. I know. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) I mean, I guess I'm looking forward to traveling to Michigan to be with my family, um, but that may come as a. help for others who are suffering during tense Christmas Those times. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say, but that may come at a cost. <laughs> <laughs> at great personal no, because... cost, I will grace you with my presence. <laughs> 
because I know that my mom listens to this to this podcast and I know she's going to text me if I don't say anything being like I hope you don't feel that way about Christmas and I just want to say mom no Margie all she talks about is how much she hates Christmas with family so that's not that's not true Margie I can't even hear you say mean things to Margie no my mom is the best and everybody knows that's a fact okay okay moving on um Gail so I do love my family. However, I will openly say that I think this next recommendation is quite similar to how we tend to act in our family, which is in no way negative, actually. And that's kind of going to eventually be my point, is that it's really not all that negative. Um, So, or maybe I've just absolutely alienated my whole family just now. Um, They're like, you're wrong. Um, So my recommendation is neither podcast nor book. It is what some may call an episode of television. What is happening to you right now? I'm sorry. Is the national the natural evolution of you having a podcast that you start speaking this way? It's kind of like she's reading us a Christmas story. It's a little like she's doing a fireside chat with yes, us. Yes, exactly. I just thought it was a funny thing to say. It was. It indeed. was, but we're picking it apart because it's great. we love you. I love it. It's awesome. I want to be with my family okay. now. Neither, neither podcast neither. nor book. Well, it was better than talking about brows. All I did before was talk about brows. You know, I would always be like, oh, this yeah. is lower brow or higher brow. So I tried to come up with a better way to say it. Apparently, I did not come up okay. with a better way. <laughs> okay, keep working out that kink, but continue. Um, so my recommendation is a scene from a episode of a show called Gilmore Girls. It is still blowing my mind how, even though we've done this already, I don't remember what you guys are going to no, say. No, that's, that's what I was yeah. like. I've, I have no idea what we did this whole time. So Literally on the edge of my sheet, seat for all of your recommendations. I'm on the edge of my sheet. Oh, on the edge of my sheet music. <laughs> Sorry, Gail. Gilmore so, Girls. Go for it. I think that you should watch this one scene in Gilmore Girls, um, amorphous person who asked this question. Um, and it's called Friday Nights Are Right for Fighting. And it's... Um, I think, like, the whole... I mean, I definitely know the whole scene itself is on YouTube. So if you aren't a Gilmore Girls fan or you haven't really watched it and you're like, what's context? Then, like, I think that you can just watch this YouTube video and it will be fine. Um, What's funny is that since deciding this uh, recommendation, I have started rewatching Gilmore Girls, which is... I even said in the last recording of the podcast, I was like, I don't think I want to watch Gilmore Girls anymore. And now that I'm in the second season, or third season, I think I'm kind of, I think I'm back on that train again. <laughs> For the second <laughs> season, I was like, okay, this is a pretty good show. Oh, oh, Chad Michael Murray sucks. Oh, wait, I hate Jess. And then I'm le- now I'm gone again. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm back to watching Good More Girls. It's a very good I'm grading while I'm watching TV sort of show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this scene... Um, it's basically after Rory comes back from Yale, after she quits Yale and like goes and lives with her grandparents and everything is really dramatic and she doesn't talk to her mom Lorelai for months. Um, and they have their first Friday night dinner since this whole thing has happened. And everything is like normal when it starts and they're like, okay, cool, great, dinner is starting. And then immediately fighting starts happening. Um, They fight about Rory leaving and then Lorelai mentions that Emily has bought, like she's like, well, you tried to buy a plane when you were upset. You can't blame Rory for that. And then smash cut to then uh, them quietly eating sorbet. 
and like, hmm, what kind of flavor sorbet is this? Is it mango? No, it's passion fruit. Oh, that's pretty good. And then it <laughs> smash cut to them all laughing about uh, making fun of Mitch Huntsberger. Huntsberger, right? Hunt, mm-hmm. Mitchum. Mitchum Huntsberger. Um, and then they're like, oh, can you believe that? What's What was his wife's name? Biddy? Sinker, sinker bottom. Shoot, Trixie Huntsberger and Foxy. Dude, I don't know. Foxy Cottontail. It's something like that. Call her Foxy. (laughs) Sissy, sissy, Roxy. It's fine. Anyway, and they're like, "Oh, that made fun. How her weight goes up and down. Oh, you are so mean." And they know they're laughing and they're doing their whole thing. And then smash cut to Richard yelling at Emily, "Did you buy it? Did you try to buy an airplane?" And they're fighting. And then my favorite part is when after all of this happens, they then cut to Emily yelling at Lorelai about being pregnant at 16 again, which happened 16 years ago or 18 years ago or I guess at this point almost 20 years ago. Um, and it just goes back to the same old fight that they have all the time, which is like, oh, a child needs a mother and a father. You should have gotten married when you got pregnant. And so it's just that... And what's also funny is that every time they have a fight, they're two different people that are be, that are kind of out of the fight that are just sitting there quietly so that you can hear them in the background. And so it's like Emily and, and, Laura, and Rory are fighting. So then Lorelai and Richard just sit on the couch. And Richard's like, how's it going? How's Luke? <laughs> and then Lorelai's like, Luke's got a kid. And then more drama happens. But it's like it, these different people like show up silently each time and the fight just happens behind them. It's so funny. But um, it just reminds me of how... So at the very end, they come out, they're yelling everything, all these different different little problems and fights happen. And they, ro- they walk out of the door at the end of the night, hair's disheveled, they look abject and abused, and they come out and then Lorelai says, well, I guess we just reinstated Friday night dinner. And to me, there are several things about this that I really enjoy. One, it's hilarious. Two, um, it's such a well-written episode. It's of so right. It it's is. just really well-directed, well-acted, well-edited. We always seem to forget the editors, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I know you always do. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and I think like the 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 different fights that happen, like Caroline said, like we all of a sudden just go back to being the same fifteen year old that we always were, and this like we have the same fights over and over again. We think that they're then finished when we have finished fighting that fight, and then for it to just come up again every single year or every two years or when something like really sensitive pops up and then someone you know it turns out they've been still holding the same grudge that they've been holding this whole time and you know they there's this level almost of like everything kind of coming to a head but that also being the thing that I really like about this is that that's their normal or that that's the thing that's setting things right and that's the way that like they're talking to each other and they're kind of showing that they do care because I feel like especially in the Gilmore family, the way that they show that they don't care is by not dealing with things, right? And I feel like people might relate to that feeling. I feel like I relate to that feeling. I feel like many of our families can relate to this feeling when it's like mm-hmm. when we when we when we care enough to poke at things and to try to figure things out, it means that that's the like, I won't say, I don't want to say like love language because it doesn't feel great, but it can be this way to kind of figure things out and show you care and that it's, and that it's necessary and cathartic and that sometimes while fighting over Christmas or Hanukkah or Thanksgiving or anything like that, it can be 
not that great, but sometimes these kind of fights need to happen or there are ways that you can talk to each other. And sometimes it's okay to kind of think about, of course, that they're toxic and abusive. Get the hell out. Like, just leave, man. Go to Dairy Queen. They're open, like, all the time. But <laughs> <laughs> if it's a fight that needs to happen, um, then, you know, that can be kind of a really, like, a thing that can help save and clarify things. So Yeah, productive fighting. Productive fighting. Yeah. Because at least it's it's at least it's communicating. Yes. And mm-hmm. on Gilmore Girls, they're often like there's all this built up tension, but oh then they God. end up like saying the thing to each other that they need to say, and not that it won't crop up again, but it's like it the direct communication happens. Yeah. And yeah. And like each time, it, it moves you forward a little bit. Yes. <laughs> after, Even if it's just an inch. Yeah. Yeah. After five seconds of silence, when Lorelai's just yelling, "How could you?" Why didn't you want to do this for me? And then, why didn't you? And then three seconds of silence. Then Emily goes, well, maybe it feels like this. And then she says something that, like, turns out, Lorelai, you've been a total jerk this whole time. And then Lorelai's like, okay, you're right. I was a jerk. (laughs) And then we, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah. That's how families are. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, but and what I, and I I think I mean I do think it's a good thing. So it does mean that you're kind of poking at things that that are there. Yep, and talking. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. Should we All move right. on to our next question? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Our second question is that we were just thinking about the fact that the holidays sometimes can be emotionally tough. Sometimes the holidays themselves make things emotionally tough for you, or sometimes, you know, the holidays just show up when something difficult is happening in your life. And sometimes there's a lot of pressure to be joyful and jolly and, you know, social and all these things during the holiday. And how can you, um, how do you manage that when you're not, when you're not feeling that way? Um, any suggestions, guys? Well, I suggest listening to Rilo Kylie's A Better Son or Daughter. A Better Son slash Daughter. Excuse Get me. it right. <laughs> um, and it's not, you know, it's not like specific to this, this question of like dealing with feeling down when you're supposed to great, feel great during the holidays, but I mean... It could apply to when you're when you're feeling down, when you're supposed to feel great anytime. But, mm-hmm. you know, it happens a lot around the holidays. And then it's like a new year and you have to deal with that, too. And it's stressing me out already, Anne. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's that time. And um, anyway, so I find this song to be just like my anthem. Um, whenever I'm feeling down, I know that, like, things are pretty good in my life and that, like, rationally, I am okay, um, but I still need a little pick-me-up. I listen to a better son or daughter, and, um, last time we recorded this, we sang it, and I don't know if you guys want to do that again. It's okay if you don't, but, um... I'll just read the first part, and then we can decide if we want to sing. Okay. Chorus or not. <laughs> so it starts, it's, and it starts really quiet. It starts, sometimes in the morning, I am petrified and can't move. 
awake but cannot open my eyes and the weight is crushing down on my lungs. I know I can't breathe and hope someone will save me this time. And then Slow it kind of builds up to the chorus that goes, and sometimes when you're on, you're, you're really, really fucking on. on. And your friends, they sing along and they love you. Oh, boy. And then it goes, those are so extreme that the good seems fucking cheap. And it teases you for weeks in its absence. Thanks for abandoning me there, guys. Good job. That was great. You sang great. Um, I think you sang yeah. better all on your own. Your <laughs> sometimes your friends sing along and they love you. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just fucking um, love you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's a song that just like kind of bucks me up every time. Again, like, when I know, like, things are okay and, like, my life is okay, but I'm just feeling down and um, I just recommend listening to that song and I recommend Rilo Kiley and I recommend Jenny Lewis and that's that. I think that's a great recommendation. Yeah, good job. Thank you. And that's also your running build-up song. Your running yeah. song. Your pump-up song. Yeah. Slow yep. build. That's true. Slow build homes. It's... <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call me <laughs> yeah it's just kind of like my my go-to anthem for for most things and so it might be helpful for others who feel similarly during the holidays or anytime really I also have a song um as my I have a, a my my main recommendation here is a song and then I have a little baby recommendation too but oh, I have a baby one too but you oh, go first no do your baby I forgot. <laughs> okay. Do you do, do that baby? <laughs> oh, the second the second one is um to watch this YouTube series that is old now called Henri the Cat with Ennui. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Which is just incredible and is also like something to watch when you're feeling down and you have some ennui and you feel like, "Ugh, I should feel fine." But He's a French cat, and he says things. Well, I'm not going to say it in French because my French is rusty. But, but it's like, but it's like this dramatic. Like, there's like Eric Satie playing in the background, and it's like this black and white video of Henri the cat in these, like, like going or doing his like, you know, being a cat, doing cat his thing. Business. But then, like, it's dubbed over with like his his voice. And he says says things like, I live a life of luxury. My owners love me, but I feel empty. My filtered water tastes impure. I, <laughs> I rarely purr. My turkey and giblets taste exactly like my white fish and gravy. I'm free, but I'm imprisoned. My thumbs are not opposable. <laughs> it seems I was made to suffer. But it's just something fun to watch that can lift you out of out of the dumps if you will that's that is great. that's great so my recommendation my main one is also a song and for context I often find for me something that's very hard around the holidays is that I I think the holidays and this is not true for everyone but for me it is like prime fake it till you make it time where I'm like 
oh, you know, if I'm not feeling jolly or whatever, I just, like, put on the music and look at the lights and drink cocoa and watch movies. And, like, I and I start to feel that way and I get, like, all caught up in the excitement and all that. And then often I find that, um, like, I am very sad the day after Christmas because I'm like, oh, well, all that build up and now it's over. And then yeah. I am incredibly sad at New Year's. New Year's is always really hard for me. Um because I feel like, great, I don't get to feel cozy for 11 months. Um, so thinking of that particular uh, cocktail of feelings around the holidays, <laughs> I recommend the song The Long December, or A Long December by The Counting Crows. Oh, man. Um, which is just such a good song. It's so I listen good. To it. <laughs> yeah. I listen to it every December 31st. Um, and it talks a lot about, I mean, the, the main refrain is it's been a long December and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last, which is, you know, a hopeful message. It also kind of sits in the sadness of whatever has happened in this previous year and in this long December. So it's not like pushing you towards like, oh, I've got to feel great now. I've got to feel so, so happy and Here chipper about comes the January. new year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, things have been rough and maybe they're going to get better is, is the general tone, which I think is like, it's really real <laughs> and often how I'm feeling in December. Um, and one of my favorite lines is the second verse starts, uh, the smell of hospitals in winter and the feeling that it's all a lot of oysters and no pearls, which I just mm. think is, is sad stuff. But lyrically, it's a strong song. Um, Agreed. Music wise, really fun. I recommend driving with car windows down and singing it at the top of your lungs so if you don't know it yet you might want to listen to it on repeat until the 20 the 31st mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm. can do that um watch the video <laughs> courtney cox is in it yes as with many old counting crow songs because yes. uh, she dated adam duritz who also hey. my aunt had a big crush on for a while um i was look, gonna, I was if gonna he say asked me to dated. marry him i <laughs> would not say no i would he could do it is all i'm saying <laughs> um but yeah sing it alone or with friends screaming out your car window um and maybe they'll sing it with you and maybe they won't maybe they will it also has kind of an anthem like quality <laughs> because true. especially like there's a lot of na 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 na's at the end that oh, can man. kind of get you yeah. going um yeah. and and scattered throughout they don't hold back on the na na na's they don't the county crows no. are there for you with those uh they have a license on that <laughs> god um and then my other little mini recommendation is to do a tarot reading. Um, I, you may be someone who's like, sweet, I love tarot. You may be someone who's like, that sounds really woo-woo to me. I am here to say that I love tarot, but I also don't believe it has like mystic properties. I just think it's a really um, fun and sometimes interesting way to like reflect on your life in a metaphorical way, you know, like ultimately you're laying down cards and like each card has a significance and you're the one who's like what might that mean in my life and you're doing the interpreting and you're kind of like oh maybe it's this and you you kind of can work through some of your stuff in a different way it kind of like gives you a, a back door into some of the things you might need to confront or think about or reflect on um and there's a particular tarot spread called the wheel of the year there's a couple different ways that people do it but the way i like is just that you lay out 12 cards and so there's one for each month. And so you lay out like, you know, January to December and you reflect on the past year and think like, okay, this is my card for January. What maybe happened? Like what was going on with me in January? What could that be about? And just, it's a, it's 
something I have found the past, like, um, maybe six or seven years I've been doing it in December to just kind of like reflect on my year and move forward and kind of put a cap on the year, which I think is, um, to me, the most productive way to think about New Year's. So that's my recommendation. That's awesome. That's great. I don't even know what happened in each month of the year. So I would have to like go on social media to figure it out. Yeah, I I find myself like going through my, yeah, sometimes I go through like my my social media or also just like look at my planner for the past year Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, what maybe, you know, um, just to, yeah, because that's true too. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, I guess I'm next. Um, sure are. <laughs> um, so for me, my I'm kind of the opposite where um, I get the holidays super bum me out. Uh, darkness bums me out. Um, I'm often alone. I like so just like in general, the holidays tend to, they didn't always, but in the last probably ten years or so, they really bummed me out um, because of things like not you know, like things not being the same and like being alone most of the time. And then like my family's moved on and had other families and like, I'm not really a part of, it feels like I'm not part of the family anymore. And I'm just kind of hanging out waiting for something to happen. But instead I'm just sitting here going like, well, man, things used to be, be pretty cool. Remember when things were like happy and magical and had light in them. And so, (laughs) and so for me, the, most of the time, the fake it till you make it tends to just make me it like always gets because it's like the, it's because it, it, it's Christmas that makes me feel worse or the holidays that makes me feel worse. It's not like I am trying to do like trying to kind of. Well, I mean, I am trying to pet myself up, but there like almost any song can just make me lay on the floor and cry like with Christmas. So like it's not like, you know, I'm just going to listen to Christmas songs until I feel better. And it's like, well, Christmas songs are the thing that, that I can't hear. Like it, it becomes mm-hmm. like weirdly like. Yeah almost triggering in that way we're like I don't even want to I can't hear this song this year can't do it can't do it but this sounded a lot better in the earlier episode but that's fine I don't think so um you're doing great but the point is the holidays bum me out um it doesn't have anything to do with my family or it's fighting as it may have seemed like earlier um (laughs) (laughs) but uh this year has actually gotten a lot better because I'm like trying I'm like I got lights I have garland I bought a tree um I am including my dog in my holiday traditions. Um, I think that may be helping. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's only December, what, 8th, 7th, 9th? Okay, we'll see. I have a while to go. Um, and, yeah, usually it's, like, a lot of, like, eating and then sitting around and then, like, thinking about things and then reflecting and pondering. <laughs> Not good, none, none good times. Um, so for me, and this this is going to be a bit of a bummer, I think, um, but I think it rings true. It's um, so one of the movies that I watch at Christmas is Little Women, and the 1997 version. I really love the 1949 version with Elizabeth Taylor, um, and a lot of really other great people. I can't think of them right now, but. I think the 1997 version like has all the best stuff from the book, all the best stuff that I love, all the best actors, all the best writers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the whole, like, I feel like so much of the book is kind of framed around these Christmases. And mm-hmm. like the book starts mm-hmm. with Christmas and it starts with them, with their first Christmas with the like Pa being in, in at war and they're all alone and they don't have any money and they're trying to like come up with things that they want. But then it turns out they're like, then going to like, you know, 
I don't know. And then they're, you know, you know, they don't have any money. And then they try to do nice things for their mom. And then they wake up and there's Christmas. Day. You know, anyway, there's all sorts of great stuff happening in that first one. Then I think it's not a year later. I think it might be two years later or something like that. Sometime later, maybe a year. I could be lying. Um, but it's so like pause back. Um, father's home, right? Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, he says, try not to coddle this old soldier, which is one of my favorite lines, but no one cares about that. So, but he comes <laughs> home. It's all very exciting. Christmas is happening and everyone's so magical. Like Beth was dying of scarlet fever and now she's better and she's playing the piano. And even Aunt March got to sing along and oh, ha ha, everything's great. Right. And then that's right when Meg gets proposed to by John Brooke. And Joe, this really upsets Joe. In the book, it's terrifying because it seems like Meg does not want to marry John Brooke. Like there's, I actually didn't copy the part in the book that scared me, but it was like, and Meg is sitting there tiny and polite. But of course it's like in Joe's viewpoint. Perspective. So it's like, but like in in this viewpoint, it looks like Meg is like, well, I guess I'm doing this. (laughs) Um, But like Joe's obviously very upset. She even says at one point like to her mom, like I wish I'd marry her myself to keep her in the family. Like Joe just can't have things be different. It's really, really upsetting for her. And so I'll read a little part from the book, but I'll then go to the image that I always kind of connect to in the movie, which to me is just like, Winona writer, mwah, you know? Um, So Meg accepts marriage proposal. Um, proving that things can't stay the same forever. Okay, that was adding insult to injury. It was altogether too much. And making some wild demonstration with her hands, Joe vanished without a word. Rushing upstairs, she startled the invalids by exclaiming tragically as she burst into the room, Oh, do somebody come down quick. John Brooke is acting dreadfully and Meg likes it. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. March left the room with speed. And casting herself upon the bed, Joe cried and scolded tempestuously as she told the awful news to Beth and Amy. The little girls, however, considered it most a uh, most agreeable and interesting event, and Joe got little comfort from them. So she went up to her refuge in the garret and confided her troubles to the rats. Which, there are so many things that are great here. The best thing is that it ends with Joe. No one cares. Everyone's excited. Joe's upset. And the only people she can talk to are the rats. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. But so this all then connects to the part when um, she sees, she like walks in, like I think it's like right after Beth's playing the piano, she like walks in the hallway and she opens up the door and Meg and John Burke are just making out in the snow outside. And she was like, brother, you know, (laughs) which I don't think she says, oh, brother, but. I think you're thinking of a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, oh, brother. (laughs) Um, But she, you know, she just feels really deflated and like kind of, you know, like I feel that feeling really, really hard. And so then everything's great. Um, There's the scene and then she she goes and sits on the stairs, right? And she's like looking out from the railing. And I think it's Laurie that comes. I'm trying to remember now. I, you know, I haven't seen it in since last Christmas, so I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again <laughs> soon. But I think Laurie comes by. Oh God, or somebody it must be Laurie, and he hands her I think champagne or something, and he says like, "Did you hear about the news about you know Meg and John? Isn't it great?" And then the like face that Joe makes to him, that's just this like fakest happiest smile. That's like yes, it's it's wonderful. And, and that, but you know that she's just so, so torn up inside because 
everything is different and nothing is ever going to mm-hmm. be the same. And it's this, it's this feeling of like, it never, it never was the same. Not that just, it isn't going to be the same, but like nothing has ever been the way that you think it's that you weighed the way that you thought it was in the first place. And that to me is just like the most heartbreaking thing that like everyone's moving on without you and everyone is having this complete moment and the way that you thought things were just has no, like everything is, just feels really empty all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. like feeling of her being handed this drink and being expected to just be so happy for Meg and John. And because she's Winona, she has this like incredible face and it yes. is able to kind of show both of those emotions happening at the same time. Like, yes, isn't it wonderful? And anyway, it is a feeling that I feel every Christmas and I love it. For that reason, even though I know it isn't incredibly upbeat, but um, anyway, that's that's Little Women. You should watch Little Women. It is it's an upbeat story. Look, Joe gets married. Meg has babies. Joe has little men. You know, I read that book earlier. Beth dies, sorry, but guys. like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> my my cat is trying to like bang down the door right now. <laughs> okay. <I'm sorry. laughs> um we told him to get all his snuggles in before recording, but Too he apparently bad. didn't. Yeah. Ooh. He did not. <laughs> well right. we have one final question Indeed. for this episode. Gail, do you wanna sure. introduce it? I I have a bullet point, so I don't have the whole question. It just says okay. giving gifts to jerks. So hold on, let me. Mine also <laughs> says gifts for jerks. So the question is, how do you buy gifts for people you don't like? Um, I have a recommendation. Excellent. Great, Anne. The first, well, a few things came to mind. Um, and I will say two of them briefly. The first one is the Secret Santa episode of The Office. I was hoping someone would do that. (laughs) The American Office. It's just a really good episode, and essentially everyone, it's a secret, it starts as a Secret Santa, the episode, and, like, Jim gets Pam and, like, gets her this, like, really thoughtful gift of, like, a teapot with, like, all of these things inside of it that are, like, either, like, inside jokes or, like, things that he knows about her that she'll love. And, like, Michael, because he really wants Ryan to like him, his Secret Santa gift, even though the limit is, like, $20, he buys Ryan, like, a $400 iPod. (laughs) And it ends in, like, basically everyone's, like, let's make this into, like, a... Whatever whatever you call it. White elephant or... Like a white elephant or like an exchange where like you get to like pick a number and then like everybody gets to swap gifts and then it just like devolves into this like greedy thing where everybody wants the iPod. But one of the best moments and what um, is particularly salient for this question is they do, you know, their little like um, private interviews of like what people got for their secret santas and um kevin got himself but like didn't tell anybody so he just got himself like a really sweet gift but oscar got creed (laughs) and oscar is just like so i don't really know anything about creed i know his name is creed (laughs) i know that he talks a lot about himself as creed and he's like 
I think he's Irish, but I'm not really sure. So I got him a shamrock keychain. <laughs> he's just like. I love Oscar. And so that just made me think of this question. I'm just so I guess the answer is. For somebody that you don't like, you can just get them something really generic. Like, get them a keychain. Or get them, like, a picture frame, which is something that I have given to people who either I don't know very well or don't like. Um, but anyway, I also just, I recommend that episode because it's it's particularly hilarious. And in my opinion, it's before the show starts to go downhill. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, my second was just, um, and this isn't even gifts for people that you don't like. I just started to think of, like, movies and TV shows that, um, where people gave each other bad or ill-advised gifts, and I thought about the movie Gremlins, which <laughs> 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 is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas and movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, um, but essentially, um, the dad he goes to this shop in Chinatown and wants to buy his son this, like, special, unique gift, and he ends up getting him a mogwai, who's <laughs> super cute, Gizmo. Um, but, of course, you know, if you feed Gizmo before midnight, um, he breeds gremlins. And so I just thought, it's not totally relevant to this question, but it's just, like, a really bad Christmas gift um, that I a remember, dad got for his son. I was watching that movie, um, like, I had seen it, ton when I was a kid and when I was maybe 18 I think I was in high school um my friend Patrick and Patrick Higgins and I were gonna watch it with my nephew who is 10 years younger than me so he was like eight and we're like oh gremlins he'll like this like you know (laughs) something from our youth and there's this line like the teen girl who's like the love interesting teen girl says at one point she's like yeah the holidays are great but while some people like the holidays are great for some people, but other people have a really hard time. But what she says is, while some people are opening their presents, other people are opening their wrists. And Patrick and I were like, oh, <laughs> this is not eight-year-old appropriate. Oh, no. I do not remember that, but it that is burned in my brain. It's also in Little and Women. Hilarious. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, mine are smaller. Are you done? Are you finishing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, mine are smaller as well. I, um, I kept trying to think of a gift that, like, which is similar to the kind of gift that I like giving my dad for Father's Day, which is, which is hard, because I'm not saying my father is a jerk. So the answer <laughs> is the same, but the reasoning is entirely different. Okay. Let's put it that way. One of the things is like is go is buy your dad a goat for a family, right? Or like help out a, a thing, like a refugee family or in some like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in donate their name to a donate charity. to something. Yeah. Um what what's it called? Big fat calf heifer heifer international. Heifer international. international. Big fat calf association. <laughs> but is I what really I was like say. mid fat big fat calf. <laughs> Heifer International. Heifer International. Um, we should start that because and, and for my dad, it was because, like, I know that he doesn't really like gifts that much, but, um, and, you know, I just want, you just want to show them that you care, and then it also helps out other people. Um, I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure, they, like, whether he even liked it or not, but um, for jerks. It's, it's a net positive thing, though. Exactly. No so for jerks, and, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is, like, either way, if they don't like it, guess what? They cannot say anything. No, that's true. (laughs) 
if they're like, oh, wait, helping out a stupid refugee family, then like you are done for Christmas, you know? Well, they've just proven that they're a jerk. Right, yeah. exactly. They are, they're the jerk. And then you, you say. You are laying a jerk trap for them. Yeah. And you could like have a card that's like, would you help Jesus, Mary, and Joseph this holiday season? You know? Really, really throw them in there. Anyway. Lay it on thick. Yeah, it's, that's, that wasn't really a big suggestion. Mine. My biggest suggestion here is the movie Castaway. Um, oh. <laughs> and it is because of those FedEx boxes that he keeps with him um, while he's on the island. And he uses, I think, what is it? There are three total. And he uses two of the. I, I just watched Castaway for the first time like three months ago. Um, I, I assumed because it was so part of our zeitgeist and our like cultural language that I like knew what, was, what it was about and what was going on. And then I watched it and I was like, huh, that's a pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's very sad. Yeah. Um, I have never seen it. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. I don't know how it's sad Tom it is. It's Tom Hanks. Come on. I know, I know. I'm not, like, against it. I just haven't. <laughs> I know how much you hate Tom Hanks, Caroline. <laughs> um, don't put that on me. <laughs> it. Yeah, I don't know if it's sad. I think it, like, I mean, this is something we can talk about after Caroline has watched it. Um, but I think it ends appropriately. Let's put it that way. I don't remember how it ends, to be fair. <laughs> I just remember the part where he draws the face and creates Wilson. Oh, that's early on. And then yeah. is devastated. So, yeah. anyway, proceed. Well, when Tom Hanks uh, drowns um, in a surprise flood in the hospital, um, <laughs> it's really sad. <laughs> Sorry, that's not true. But, okay, so the thing is, is that he's a FedEx guy, and he comes with the, like, he, the plane crashes, and he's the only one who survives, and he has these, these like, boxes of, of stuff that he's supposed to be sending to people um, through the FedEx plane. Uh, and there are three of them that survive, I think, and, like, you know, one of them is like a like rope or like one of I don't know. There's stuff that like they're he's using them to like help him make his tent shelter and like fish and like do all sorts. So like he's using these two, and then basically the whole movie he decides to keep one package unopened, which I really like because it like shows like, huh? You never know what that you know. And like by not ever looking at that last package, it keeps his his hope alive. You know, mm-hmm. and he, and then. And I'm not going to guess, I won't tell you how it ends, um, but that last package is never unopened. Nope. Is never Is never opened. opened. <laughs> that oh. last package will stay unopened. Um, <laughs> and it's really lovely. And I don't know, it, 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 I like thinking about like, oh, well, if you're a jerk and you don't like gifts, guess what? What's his face on Castaway? Really enjoyed his gifts. And maybe you should go. Get your plane crash on an island. <laughs> um, look, I went theoretical here. I don't give gifts to jerks. I just don't get them gifts. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes, even if it's not gifts for jerks, we all know, first of all, buying gifts can be stressful if you yes. are trying to budget for it. That's thing. always hard. And then there are always the people on your list who you have like 10 million ideas for. They're so easy. You get them. You know them. You could buy them a gift, you know, every day of December. But then there are people who are like, oh, my God, I don't freaking know what to do because, like, maybe we are not as like-minded or maybe we don't have as much in common or, like, answer. Like, I don't know you as well, yeah. but, like, we are in the position of mm-hmm. having obligatory gift-giving. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think, to me, that's, like, the best example of, like, 
having a gift that you didn't that was maybe even meant for someone else but that you're going to I don't know it's like is the the right idea of a gift and then like leaving yeah. it open is a really good sense of a gift also that scene in the second Harry Potter when Harry gives Dobby a sock oh yeah that's, that's good gift giving yeah not that right. Dobby's I mean Dobby is kind of a jerk I mean, he didn't. Well, he wasn't great at the beginning of the movie, you know. He could be better at communicating his yeah. uh, information. Yeah, he's the best though, and I love him. Um, I for this question, I came up with two poems to read, um, nice. short ones, because I really I was like struggling with what to do for this one, and then I was thinking about writing poems for people you don't like, <laughs> and so I found two poems that are addressed to like the speakers addressing them uh to someone um who they're not thrilled with and so i think these might just be fun to read while you are picking out a gift for someone you don't (laughs) like the first one is also explicitly about winter so that's nice it's from lauren ireland's chapbook sorry it's so small (laughs) which while i was like rushing to prep for this when we were supposed to record it first gail you just like mentioned it and i was like oh shit I went and grabbed it off the shelf and remembered this poem, so thanks. You're welcome. This is, this is, Winter is a Terrible Place. Bronzed breastbone, rattle, rattle. Even the air tastes like metal. Mercury glass, the backs of spoons. Poor Brooklyn. Eye beams sway to comfort me. All of Poland has turned out to hold my hands. Gently weeping wolves, the tender hair. I am disloyal to my own tears. Thank you for breaking up with me in the park. Now I get to hate trees. Each dead leaf has a special meaning, death. Sleeping is a long, slow fight. Night makes breath sad clouds. Dark breaks around every sound. Each time the phone rings, I remember who I am. I'm Lauren Ireland. I thought I told you to shut up. She is so good. She is. That's also the, that's the last poem in the book, and I think that's a perfect ending. <sighs> I think "Thank you for breaking up with me in the park." Now I get to hate trees is so good. Yeah. Yes, and sorry that I like audibly gasped when you said that because it's, it's okay. So funny. I think that that's the appropriate reaction. <laughs> I mean, I, I I made a sound, you know. Yeah. No. <laughs> Gail, I wasn't saying you didn't react appropriately. Oh, I heard you loud and clear, Caroline. I love all my children equally. <laughs> all right. And then um, the second poem, it actually, it's fun because it it addresses the speaker as if it's not saying these things to the speaker, but then of course it is. I'm sorry, it addresses the reader as if it's not saying these things to the reader, but then of course it is. Oh, yeah. What's like a, a Greek term for that? Sorry. I don't know. I don't know about Greeks. But... <laughs> This poem is from the book I Live in a Hut by S.E. Smith. S as in spaceship, E as in earth, Smith as in Smith. And (laughs) this poem is called Fuck You. (laughs) And I really recommend it as just your mood music for buying a gift for someone you're not crazy about. Fuck you. That is the one thing I am not here to say. Even though I sometimes say it to specific people for doing specific things, I would never say it to you, who are so splendid and general. My throat is thick with phlegm, or maybe I have been breathing gilded air again. Fuck you, gilded air. Fuck you, green dust on everything. 
Go find a bull to bother. See, that was specific. About you I know little, although I do think of you often. Like a pastry in a paper bag, I think of you, touching the world with your oils, and I save you for later. I am always saving you, but we have never met. I meet a man who likes the way I beat myself up with a tambourine, the piggy way I sing, and the day after that I meet his girlfriend, the tree. Well, that's life. I go through it being extremely obvious. I go to the gym. I read books about mutants and such. I take exasperated measures. I save you for later. Nice. Beautiful. Thanks. Those are just some great poems for you, Moot, from some great ladies. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a great way to end... I think this so. holiday special. <laughs> Just end the holidays with a big old fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, friends. Enjoy your holidays. And we'll yeah, see you. Yeah, best of luck to you. See you in the new year. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Now That We're Friends was recorded in front of a live studio audience made up entirely of your host's pets. Those hosts and your three new friends are Caroline Cabrera, Ann Holmes, and Gail Thompson. Our producer is Lisanne, who forgot to record this when we recorded the episode and is therefore doing it now, Ramos. Our theme music is provided by Gail Thompson. Now That We're Friends is an O Miami production. If you want to ask us for advice to receive our recommendations, you can send a voice memo or written email to newfriend at omiami.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Now That We're Friends and on Twitter and Instagram at NTWF Podcast.